Good morning, Grace and Glory. It was so fun to see everybody last weekend for our community worship, and I was blessed to learn a new song that day, so I want to share that one with you guys again. To the sinner's ears it may sound strange That freedom could be found through death and pain Why sinless perfection took the blame But hallelujah For our pardon it would take the cross Salvation paid for at the highest cost Our redemption gained at heaven's loss Oh, hallelujah What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood Nothing but the blood What can make me whole again? Nothing but the Nothing strong enough to stand against what love has done with outstretched hands. For now salvation flows for every man. Oh, hallelujah. Sing, what can wash? What can wash away? She 
time. What can wash? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Lord, we just ask. Thank you for your blood that was spilled for us and the freedom we can receive because of what you did. Forgiveness. 
Lord, we are in awe of you this morning. You are so good. We love you, Lord. We just want to worship you today. We want to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> well, good morning. It's good to be here. Let's get to celebrate this fun day. It's a Fourth of July is one of my favorite holidays, and uh, it's great to be able to celebrate with neighbors and things like that. And uh, that's probably what I care about the most is being able to be with people, have some good food. Usually, you get to blow stuff up, but that doesn't happen today. That's okay. We can do everything else. <laughs> um, uh, I hope you guys have some good plans for grilling later, and you'll do me proud with some meat. It's okay, you can do me proud with some vegetables. (laughs) Grilled vegetables, that's what's important though. Gotta bust out the grill. So uh, we're wrapping up our uh, Gospel Fluency series today, um, looking at speaking the good news of Jesus, the everyday life. Um, Next week we're actually going to start, it really kind of almost ties into what we've been talking about. We're going to go through the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians, which is in many ways a way to talk about how how we live out the gospel in everyday life, uh, looking at the different character qualities of Christ and how we can walk in those things. But today we're going to wrap up how we, in a more practical sense, with gospel fluency and where we've been at, talking about the gospel, what, it, what is the gospel, and how does that interact with real life, and what does it look like to be a good news person, and to speak the good news, and to live out the, the, the implications of what Jesus has done for us. And today I want to get kind of practical. What is it? Just some practical, tangible ways that we can embody the love of God in everyday life. Just, and it's going to be, this today of all sermons, it might sound a little bit like a to-do list, but, as, but it's kind of like an overflow of what we've been talking about, right? And there's no pressure to do it all. We're just going to, but the gospel is meant to touch down in real life. Like we don't have a belief system. We have a, we have a new life in Christ, Right? If you have a belief system, it's like, oh, yes, I believe the gospel. But if you have a new life in Christ, you have to start learning how to do something more difficult, and that is create habits that that would be like Jesus-like habits in your life. There have to be practices. There has to be rhythm. It has to change the way you live real life, or it's just a belief system, right? And no one's ever going to see it, and and you're not experiencing the joy of what Jesus has done for you. So today it's kind of a little bit of like, what would it look like to have rhythms, everyday rhythms, practices, habits that are, that are, that are the overflow of what Jesus has done in our life. I'll give you an example. Um, the, the, the big idea here is that you can be good news. You can be the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone around you. It's not, and it's not, uh, with, with a little bit of practice, it's not even hard. It's just, it'll just be the overflow of your life. There's no pressure. It'll just be this natural overflow of being the loving person that God has made you. Think about it. Everybody wants, you want to be an encourager, right? You, everybody deep down, you want to be a loving person. You want to speak life into people. You want people to look at your life and not just say like, oh, you're a good person and you're nice, but you want them to look at your life and, and ha- you have a chance to touch their life and vice versa, and your neighbors and the people in our church, that we have the chance to be touched by them, right? And have their love impact us. That's how everybody wants to live like that. A life filled with loving each other. And, and, and that happens, we know, through the gospel by getting connected to God's love, right? And so, 
And, and I think about practices and the rhythms of life. That's something I've been, I've been trying to work on to, for the last probably 10 years, being more intentional. And one of the things I do is I regularly am thinking and praying, like, how can I, how can I be good news to the people around me? How, how, do I, how do I be a loving person in an actual, tangible way? How, do I, how, how would Jesus live if he was in my neighborhood, Right? And so I started living differently a little bit. Not like weird, nothing weird, nothing crazy, but just start step by step getting out of my comfort zone of being a very isolated person by nature and just saying hi to neighbors. And then it's, you know, talking to neighbors a little bit more. And then it's inviting a neighbor over for a barbecue. It's like natural overflow of real life, right? And I've been doing that for a while. A lot of you guys know that I'd share my stories and and I started doing lots of barbecues in my neighborhood. I put a sign up in the front, which everybody thought was, you know, and that became the, the way that people knew me in the neighborhood. Oh, you're the guy with the sign that has barbecues a lot. I've been meaning to come to one of those. But, you know, and, and then, but I'm starting to get to know people better. And next thing I know, my nickname in the neighborhood, without me even doing anything, became Pastor Will. I don't know if you know this, but I'm the pastor of the neighborhood now. Because I became friends with some neighbors in the cul-de-sac, the, the cul-de-sac that's the most welcoming, and basically whenever my neighbor has his Coors Light sign on, it means that you can come over and hang out. It's like, and I think it's a great way to signal the neighborhood. Like anybody, the garage door open, the Coors Light sign on, it doesn't mean you have to drink. It just means that's his signal to like, come say hi, right? And so I started doing that, and, and then they all started, they found out I was a pastor, and they thought that was kind of awesome that I was a pastor who came over with the Coors Light sign was on. Like, they didn't know it. it took them, like, six months, and they're like, really? Like, they were kind of nervous at first. Like, <laughs> like we've been cussing and saying, you know, being regular people, right? And, and I'm like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. It's like, you're not, you know, you're, you're good people. I love you guys. And, uh, and, and so they started calling me. They, so now I became the nickname. Whenever I walked down the street, they yell, hey, Pastor Will. And that became, spread, and now there's like at least 10 people in the neighborhood that whenever they see me, even if it's wherever it is in the neighborhood, hey, Pastor Will, introduce me that way. And, uh, and so I, as Pastor Will in the neighborhood, um, last year around um, uh, 4th of July, I knew the Philida parade was canceled, and I was in my same mode of like praying, how can I be just a blessing to people, right? Just in normal ways. And I got the idea from somewhere, I don't know where, I can't remember, but I thought, okay, the Philida parade's canceled, all my neighbors go to this. It's a big deal. We have, so why don't we do our own little neighbor, like little mini neighborhood parade? So I get some flyers together. I talk to the neighbors about it. They're like, "That's awesome. Let's do this." And so they help me. And they help me hand out flyers to the neighborhood and the next door neighbor. You know, kind of like four neighborhoods really in the neighborhood. And and we hand out flyers. We have no idea who's going to show up. And sure enough, like half the neighborhood participates in this little parade. This little half mile parade around the neighborhood. And, and everybody's having fun. You get to, and everybody's like wondering who organized this thing, and we're talking, and, and who organized it? Pastor Will. <laughs> I don't know if that, I hope that helps glorify Jesus, I don't know. And then, and then this last year, about a month ago, I didn't even think about it, and my neighbors came to me, and we were talking, we were hanging out one afternoon, and they said, we should do that again, and let's make it a party for the kids afterwards. And now they're the ones basically planning it. And I'm just kind of like one more person planning the part of it. And so today at 11 o'clock, I got I to gotta preach and run because I got a parade to go to. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you <laughs> because I'm, you know, I'm a pastor there too. And, uh, and so I can be in two places <laughs> and uh, can't be in two places at the same time. But, uh, and if my neighbors are listening, I love you guys. 
and uh, I'm looking forward to having fun today. Uh, I think that my, I, I'm look, I think, when I think about my neighbors, I think of them as image bearers of God, and I see Jesus in them, and I see what I do there as, as, as just as much being the church as coming here, right? And I see them as people who, who are part of God's family, and, and, we, and, and it's, fun, it's fun to share life and be good news to each other. And they're good news to me. And I get to be good news to them. And, and we get to live life this way. See, I, that's what I think about when I think about being good news. We use this term evangelism a lot in our Christian culture. It's in the Bible. It's a good word. But we've made it into this kind of like, in our minds, some of us are nervous. It's this high-pressure salesman job where I have to like force doors open to share the whole gospel and try to get someone to make a decision for Christ which really isn't so much in the Bible as much as the fact that God invites us to sh- share the good news of Jesus Christ in natural ways as he opens doors and he gives us opportunity. And that's kind of what I want, I want to talk about today. Let's pray and we'll go to Colossians chapter 4. Dear God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you, are, that you speak to us words of life and that you come and you transform us and, and that you are good. And, uh, and I pray that you'd help me to be able to share your word in a gracious and loving way. I pray we would hear you most of all today, God, speaking to us and being good news to us and helping us trust you, God, that you want to live life with us and that you can make all things better. You redeem all things, that you forgive us in all ways, Lord God, that you heal us, Lord God, and that you are reconciling us to you, Lord Jesus, and you're changing our life to become more free and joyful, Lord God. Help us to trust you today and hear your voice. Amen. So when we think about being good news to our community, I, uh, I think of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6. It's one of my foundational kind of passages. And here's what it says. It says, This is actually the Apostle Paul at the end of the letter, and he's going to ask them to pray for him, and he's going to be talking about how they can live their life as as good news in the neighborhood. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. That's Paul while he's on his kind of missionary journeys. He's planting churches with his church planting group, right? And he's saying, pray for us that God may open uh, to us a door for the word. That means that word means the word of the gospel. To declare the mystery of Christ. I love he says the mystery of Christ. You know, it's not, we have to recognize it's not always easy for people to understand the gospel. It is a mystery. But it, ultimately it is good news for all people, but it's a mysterious good news that only God can open people's eyes to. And only God can open the door for, as he says. He says that this gospel, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Make it clear. I love that. He's saying, I'm always trying my best in the power of the Spirit to speak in the language of everyday people, not sharing the words of the ESV translation or the King James translation. I'm sharing the life translation in, in the words of people as the Holy Spirit helps me to be as clear as possible, to help people understand that, how God loves them and what he's done for them in Christ Jesus. But here's interesting. So Paul is an evangelist, by the way. He has the gift of evangelism. It's a special, that, means, that doesn't mean he has the gift to go force conversations about Jesus. It means he has the gift by the Holy Spirit, by maybe how he's wired a little bit as a personality. It's hard, we're hard to say these things work together. To be able, he's good at explaining the good news to people. It's his gift. 
He's good at making the words of the gospel clear to people. And he's, and he's good at looking, seeing those opportunities to share it with people and find natural ways to share the gospel. That's what, that's what that means. It doesn't mean he's good at getting converts. It doesn't mean he's good at having awkward conversations or, or speaking the gospel like on the court street corner with a blowhorn. Like that's not what an evangelist that is, that The gift is I'm good at making the gospel clear to people and, having the, and being able to have natural conversations with people about God. That's what it means. But it is a gift that only some people have. Not all of us have that gift. But then he, and then he speaks to the church in general. It doesn't mean we all are. It doesn't mean only the people with the gift share Christ. But he says. But here's. But he talks to us, most of us folks like myself, who are not evangelists. And this is how he talks to us. He says, "Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time." Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom means, it's a general way of saying, I'm going to walk like Christ. Christ is the ultimate example of wisdom. I'm learning how to, how to, how to live like Christ in real life, right? I'm learning, how, and I'm making the use, best use of time, meaning that goes back to our rhythm conversation. We only have so much time here on earth. There's, there's five billion people or more or something crazy like that that have no idea how beautiful Jesus is. So I'm not a, I might not be an evangelist, but I'm certainly going to make the best use of my time to help people know how much God loves them, right? Because there's, there's like billions of people who don't know how much God loves them. And he says, let your speech always be gracious. It's a good word. It's almost the opposite sometimes of how we think of in our culture of sharing Jesus, he says, be gracious. That means things like being patient, thinking of like being, speaking in a way that speaks forgiveness and life. I recommend not leading with something that's like judgment or f- making people feel judged. It's the number one thing. That was actually the first conversation I had when people found out I was a pastor is they were surprised that I never made them feel judged. They assumed that's how pastors would make them feel, like they're bad people. And you better come to church to deal with that. <laughs> but no, that's not how God, that's not how Jesus acts. Always be gracious. He says, like letting your speech be seasoned with salt. Or he just says, you know, that's, he says, let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. It's a great metaphor. It means kind of what you think of it. It means to let your, your, your speech would be like the salt is for the meats. Right? Salt was their number one seasoning. They didn't have a million seasonings like we have today, all imported from all over the world. They couldn't afford that. But it's like, let your, let your speech feel like the spice of life. It enhances life. Like, like you're, the way you talk with people enhance people's lives. And he says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We'll come back to that in a second. But here's the idea here is that we've all been... Uh, uniquely shaped and sent into the world to be good news. I say uniquely shaped because he's talking to, he uses these very individual terms. He says you, and he's saying, so every one of you has a different way to live life. You've been all uniquely placed, different places. But it, but he says, walk wise, making the best use of time, saying like you have, you have a, you have a calling to, 
to be good news in your place, in your way, with your gifting. You might not be an evangelist like Paul. Most of us aren't. But you have a way to be able to share the love of Jesus Christ based on your personality and based on your gifting. And there's no pressure. Like on all of this, think about how he, everywhere he says there's no pressure. Even with Paul the evangelist, notice he says, pray that God would open a door. And all of it, you get to walk through the open doors that God gives you to love people. But you do walk through the door and you look for the opportunity and you place yourself there. So, I mean, here's the thing. You've got to be by the door to walk through the door. But what I mean by that is if you ain't around any people, it ain't going to be any open doors, right? So you've got to make the best use of time. It means I've got to be in people's lives. I've got to be... No matter what my personality is, I can find a way to be in a few people's lives. I don't care how introverted you are, you can find a way to be in a couple people's lives, right? Maybe it's only two because of your personality, but you can walk deep with those two people, and that's a different, you know? You can walk in a deep way that would make me feel weird, maybe, because you're like, you know, you're different, wired differently than me. I like being in lots of people's lives. But you can all have our unique way to be in people's lives, to take advantage of the opportunities God gives us to love people and to share the love of God with people. When God gives us the opportunity, we don't make the opportunity and we don't have the pressure for how people respond to our love or God's love. But we get to be there making the most use of the time God has given us. I like the way Kenneth Scott Lazarette, he's a famous historian, and he talks about, he wrote a great book, which I haven't read, and it's on my list to read. I get quotes from it all the time from different sources. And, um, and he, he wrote a great book on the expansion of Christianity and just a secular historian perspective on how, just looking at just pragmatically, how did Christianity take over the world like it did? And he, and he talks about how it was the everyday Christians, basically. It wasn't even Paul the evangelist who spread Christianity. Paul Evangelist might have been a catalyst, but it was just the regular people who were positioned throughout all of life that were living their life in a, in a way that the early church, I mean, I mean, the early Romans and Greeks and people in the Roman Empire had never seen. They were living their life in this extraordinary way that people had never seen, and it changed the world because these regular people were doing things people had never seen before. They were taking care of the poor. They were adopting orphans, right? Like they were being generous and giving their money to people who weren't in their family. No one had ever seen anything like that ever before. This whole, our whole American society's idea of, of, of being benevolent comes from Christianity. There was no such thing as benevolence until Christianity and Jesus Christ came along. And so we, they saw the way Christianity with people were living and people were uniquely positioned to answer people's questions on why they were living their life in such a radical way. And they're like, well, that's because Jesus rose from the dead. And it's because if Jesus loved me. And Jesus, and they're able to explain that in their own everyday way for why they were living their life in such a different way. God has you, given you that ability to live your life in a unique way, to add flavor to life, to add good news to life, to add joy to people's life. So I want us to think, So, and here's the thing, so what does it look like for us to, to live that kind of life? I love what he says in the passage, he says, he says, answer everyone's questions. 
But notice, so that's interesting. So the idea here is that, that when you're living out the gospel, when you are just being yourself as a transformed follower of Jesus in everyday life, and you're being intentional about living like Christ in the real spaces of life, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in, in the way that we do community with one another and live our lives as Christians and as, in Christian community, the way the gospel comes and it changes our character, like we're going to talk about for the next like 10 weeks after this, the way we are, are being transformed through our worship of Jesus Christ, it makes us into the kind of the persons who look at us and they're like, wow, your life is kind of like good news. What's up, what's up with that? And they'll ask you questions. I think about my friend, I get these, I think about one time I was sitting down with my friend Adam, who I mountain bike with, who, um, who is a secular person, and he's cool with me as a Christian. And sometimes we talk about it. And he said to me, he said, to me um, he said, Will, you have a lot of non-Christian friends. Like, what's up with that? Right? That's what I mean by, like, I'm living my life in this kind of way. And he's like, you're a pastor. He's like, and I notice you're always talking about all these people who aren't church people. He's like, I don't know very many Christians like that. So he asked that question, right? And so I get to explain a little bit of why I live my life like that. that that's, and he might be wondering in the back of his head, like, are you trying to convert me? I don't know. And I could joke with him about that if he asked that question too. But he, I don't know. I don't actually know. But I just get to share, like, he, he kind of asked the implied question, why are you living like that? And I get to say, well, that's because, because I believe we're all part of God's family, and, it's, and I actually joked, I said, well, I like to keep my, keep my life spicy. <laughs> so I like to have a diverse group of friends that from all walks of life. Because why? Because, that's, because we're a part of, and then I'm like, because we're a part of God's family. And I think we're all meant to be like one big family. And so I enjoy everyone because God enjoys everyone. And God, and, you know. And so we get to, I could give you lots of examples like that, but, but you just live your life with people being being who God made you to be in the gospel, being kind and gentle and, and, and generous. And I want to talk what, just briefly, I'm going to give you some handles on what that might look like. By the way, all the stuff I'm going to talk about is in a book that I recommend and an article that I've linked online and I'll send out to you this week called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And it's just a great introduction, like really small. It's like 100 pages. The article I'm going to send you is like 30 pages. It's a summary. They're both kind of like the same thing. So you can pick your, pick your version you like. And uh, it's just a great introduction to what it looks like to live like Jesus in everyday life. And, it, and, he, and he's particularly hitting on this idea of new habits and rhythms. And he uses this acronym of, called um, BELLS to help just to be catchy, right? To help you remember what it looks like. These five, five rhythms of, of living your life in a way that would invoke questions. That's the premise of the book. What would it look like for me? to live my life in a way that invokes questions. And he, and he uses this acronym, you can put that up there, called BELLS. Um, and it, it's like, if you live your life like this, naturally, you'll start to, to live your life in that way that invokes questions. Now, I'm not saying that these five rhythms, we've used other rhythms before. I'm not saying these five rhythms are the, the be-all, end-all rhythms. There's probably a hundred rhythms you could pick, right? So don't go easy on me, right? But these are five great rhythms. And by the way, this is one message. I'm not also saying today that if by next week you aren't doing all five rhythms, you're a bad Christian, okay? So give me a break, okay? I'm just introducing this to you. Pick one maybe this week if you feel inspired. Pick two if you're feeling really inspired. Don't pick three. You probably can't do that. Maybe in another two weeks, you can add another one. You know, grab, and, uh, and I would recommend if you're really inspired, grab the article, grab the book, 
do it with your gospel community or DNA group. He actually, Michael Frost actually happens to do DNA groups just like we do in our church. And he has a DNA group guide and not stuff I'll send to you for how you could do this in your little um, mutual discipleship groups in your, in, um, or, or in your gospel communities. So, so the five habits. So, so, so the five habits are, are bless, eat, listen, learn, and sense. I just want to go through these quickly getting you to think about what, as a way of saying, hey, we could live our life in a new kind of way that would be reflective of how Jesus might live if he was in my shoes. That's, this isn't a law. This is just saying, what might it look like for me to, to live like Christ as God gives me the grace and the power to do? So, so, so here's five rhythms. So the first one's bless. And the idea, he says, he says if, think about your life how, who can you bless this week? Like a big part of how we can live our life in it, like Jesus, is thinking, how can I be a blessing to people around me? How, you know, that's actually what I was thinking when I did the, the start of the parade. I was like, how can I be a blessing to the community? And, and as I do a thing like that, guess what it ends up being? A lot of smiling faces in a parade, right? A lot of laughing kids. Isn't that like what the kingdom of God is like? That space of feeling blessed. Right, and that was obviously a bigger one. But that's like that's a way I was thinking. How can I bless the community? How can I bless people's lives? And so you could think, how am I going to bless you know one, two, three people in a week? He actually puts three, which I'm like, wow, that's a lot to jump into. Uh, and, and 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 he says, you know, he says bless three people this week, and and one of them outside of your church. I'm, I put two. The more I thought about it, maybe you just bless one person every week and just and pick and every other week, you know, and try to think of people outside the church to bless. But when I say bless, by the way, I'm also there's lots of ways to do this. It doesn't mean you have to throw a parade every week, right? <laughs> it could just be this means like there's people in your life. Can I say something kind to someone? Like this isn't I mean, to be honest, blessing three people this week isn't that hard. Because all you have to do is like say, like, wow, I really like that dress. Like that, it would be a that would be a way to bless someone. Or wow, you really notice something good about someone. I I love telling, I love noticing in people's lives something like today. I'm gonna tell my neighbors regularly what I see great about them. Like wow, I just love I love that you. uh, I shouldn't. I don't know if I can say their names live, right? Like I love how you welcome people in. I love you. I love that you put the Coors Light sign on and are and are the center of our neighborhood because you do that. I love that you guys, you know, thought of, of doing this cool kickball game. We're going to do slip and slide kickball today in the park, right? With, and it's going to be awesome, and hopefully nobody cracks their head open. <laughs> and, you know, and, I, you know, and just thinking of that, all right, I, I'll, t- I'll tell people regularly, you're a really good parent. Everyone loves to hear that. There is not a parent on the, planet, the earth that doesn't like to hear that. And, 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 like, man, you really, I see how good you are with your kids. People light up almost every time you say that. Find ways to say, say something nice. It could be an act of kindness. It could be help, you know, you help, some, some of us, you in the church are great at this. I think of like, uh, like Rich is like the king of acts of kindness. He's probably out doing one right now, right? Like, or this week, almost every weekend that man goes out and, and serves someone or serves our church, right? You know, and some of you guys, I should have mentioned, some of you I know are killing it at the words of affirmation. I get text messages from Toby Ford all the time. I'm sure, many, you, know, you know, he texts me probably at least once a week saying something, you know, kind, kind. You know, that's what it means, being blessed. Do something kind to someone. You see, help a neighbor out. Help your neighbor. You see them with that giant 10 yards of bark. Well, get a shovel. 
right? And a wheelbarrow, help them spread it, right? Find ways to be kind to each other. It could be gifts. You could buy someone a gift. My wife is a killer at this, and my budget reflects it. <laughs> She's all the time, can I buy someone this? Can I give someone this money? Can I do this? I'm like, yes, honey. I'm like, we better put this in the budget because we're going to go broke <laughs> if we don't plan for this. So uh, it's not true we're going to go broke, but you know what I'm saying. She's better at it than me. <laughs> and, and just find someone to bless this week. Another, so the next one is eat. Find a way to eat. To just eat with people. E- eating has always been a rhythm, a part of every society. You know, I talk about this a lot, eating to the glory of God, right? And what does it look like to eat to the glory of God? Well, think about it like Jesus ate with people. It was, a key, it was a key part. Almost every time Jesus was sharing the good news, guess where it was? It was around a table. So share your table with people. You know, think about it. Share, and it, I, I would encourage you to get eventually into the rhythm of once a week sharing your table with someone from church, sharing your, and once a week sharing your table with someone outside of church. And when I say table, I mean it really loosely. Could be getting coffee. I mean, with my neighbors, it's usually the cul-de-sac. We're playing with the kids, and we're having seltzers. Okay, like there's no table, but you know what I mean. It's the same idea. We're sharing life around a drink. You know, around some food. And there is something special about bringing someone into your home. I think that's a good thing to do regularly as well. There's something special about slowing down and, and sitting around the table. And I know we're coming out of COVID and all that. So again, there's no pressure, but we want to get back in a rhythm of life where we share life with each other. Just, just think of how much the world would be changed if every single Christian did this. They, once a week, they sat down around the some kind of table, metaphorically, with people that were Christians and talked about, the, about how this table represents, this, this fellowship is here, why? Because of Jesus. And then they share a table, meta, literally or metaphorically, with people outside the church, why? Because that, this table, this hospitality, represents that you are all part of the family of God and Jesus welcomes you to his table. Like, I, share, I do this because Jesus welcomed me to the table, I live my life in this, what seems like a radical new way of living. Why? Because Jesus lived his life in a radical new way. And he invited me to a table of fellowship that I shouldn't be invited to because of my brokenness and my sin. And so now that I've been transformed, how can I not invite people and think, and not just anybody, but we think in terms of inviting the outcasts, the poor. I don't, don't, don't just think of your neighbors. Think about the poor, the outcasts, inviting a homeless person to your table, inviting some, an immigrant to your table, inviting someone who doesn't normally get invited to the table, inviting them to, into your life. It's almost the best way to signal the beauty of the gospel is to invite people who a society has forgotten and overlooks, to engage. I think about my... A guy on my soccer team I'm trying to develop a relationship with who's immigrated here from, um, from, from Central America, or no, from, from South America and Venezuela, and he doesn't have a lot of friends because he doesn't, and, 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 I'm, and, I'm, and we play soccer together, and I'm praying, God, how can, he, and he says he loves being in America, but he misses his friends and his family. How do I, how do I become, like, I want to welcome you the, the, into the family. I want this to feel like home to you, being here, Right? That's what it means to be a part of God's kingdom because all people are invited to the table. Another rhythm we can do is we can learn to listen to the Spirit of God. This is a huge part of living on mission in your neighborhood, living for Jesus in everyday life. You can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do and you can't... God, the thing you have, we have to recognize is that God 
has a plan for your neighborhood and for your, and your, and, and, and your life. Like, he's at work. When I go today to the, whenever I'm in my neighborhood, my attitude is always, God is already here. God is already with my neighbors. God is already in my neighbors. They're image bearers of God. So I can say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How, how are you trying to bless people's lives today? What do you have for me to do today, God? Speak to me, Holy Spirit. And so a rhythm could be, I will spend at least one period. I'm not even, see, just one period of the week where I'm going to take an extended period of time just to listen to God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I often do this with the scriptures in front of me, but that can be optional too. But I'm not just reading or something, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the scriptures. I'm opening my heart to the Spirit, all with the attitude not of so much of learning, but listening. What are you trying to say to me, God? What are, what are you calling me to? I mean, as a pastor, I'm super blessed, and I'm trying to get better at just starting my day. Hey, God, I, I know I have this agenda of what I want to get done this week that I feel like I need to do to help this church be awesome and grow. I mean, not that we're not awesome already, but to be more awesomer. And, uh, and, but, what, but I should be starting my day every day saying, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me to do today? Because the Holy Spirit often has better plans than I do. Always probably has better plans than me. So I learned to get in tune with that. I'm starting to get into that rhythm in my life. The second L is to learn. So yeah, there's also the learn aspect of it. We want to listen. We also want to learn. I will spend at least one period of the week learning Christ. That I'm going to immerse myself in some way in the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And how he's calling me to live as a Christ follower. I, I, in a lot of ways, I, I would encourage anyone for a season to just spend a whole lot of, like spend that period of time once a week just reading the Gospels and really trying to learn Christ. That's an expression that Michael Frost uses that was actually a old, from the early church days, they would talk about it like we're learning Christ. Like I'm really, I'm learning how to be, ref, like, like completely reform and transform my life into the image of Jesus Christ. So I have to learn who Jesus is and what he did for me. I have to learn, like just really getting in touch with how Jesus lives his life. So spend a period of the week, even if you're maybe in a rhythm of Bible reading, that's great. But spend a period where you're just saying, I want to learn more about who Jesus is and reflecting on that. Reading a gospel, reading, I could recommend all kinds, there's all kinds of great books out there about who Jesus was and trying to think about who, how he lived his life in a different way. I could recommend all kinds of books like that. For, but the idea is I'm going to rest in who Jesus is. I'm going to learn about how he, how he lived his life. I'm going to be empowered by that to learn how to live like him. And the last one is sent that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for people in my life. I'm, I'm going to start learning how to see myself as someone sent into everyday life with the good news. And a, it's a little harder to have this one be like a, how you're going to keep that accountable, but a, a good way to do that would be to keep a journal. You can have people you're praying for in that journal. This is what I do. I have a list of people I'm praying for. I pray for them once a week. I ask the Holy Spirit what God's doing. If there's anything you want me to do, God, and to bless that person or to say to them or to... Do you want me to invite that person over for dinner or coffee or to go grab a drink or something? I just pray about those f- folks in my life. And, you know, I have like 20 people. But you, might, but you can start with just two people, right? Like I said, or three people, right? I pray for those people, for God to bless them. Nothing, nothing weird. God to bless them. Well, how do you want to be a part of that? And, and then I, I think about how I might, you could journal about how you got to share 
the good news with Jesus maybe in word or deed that week. Just to make you conscious that I get the chance to do this. Right? And there's no pressure. No one's going to read the journal. No one's going to correct you, grade you. There's no lit. You have to have five touches every week or something. But just to make you conscious once a week, how am I getting this chance to share the good news in word or deed? How, how did I get to bless someone? How did that go? What's going on in my life about that? How, who came over for dinner? How did that go? Did I, what, you know, did I get to share something about, about Jesus? And when I say share Jesus in word or deed, I don't mean share the whole, like, the, all the, like the Romans road or whatever you might have learned. Like those are all great things to learn. I just mean, and you might get to do that with someone, but I mean just that I get to share God's love with someone in some capacity. Did I get to pray for someone? Did I get to tell someone who is worried that God's in control and he loves you and he's at work and you could, you could pray to God to help you with that because he wants, he wants you to know that he loves you and he's control of all things? Did I get to pray for someone who needs healing because God is a God of healing? Did I get to comfort someone who's mourning because God is a God of comfort? Right? All kinds of ways. I'm just embodying. I'm talking about God's character and what he's done for us. And I get to be the person who signals to the world that we have a God who loves us and he has shown it through Jesus Christ. And I can just be a little signpost of who God is and what he's done for us. Just give little signals that there is a God who loves them and he's shown them that through Jesus Christ. Amen? We get to live like this. And there's all kinds of ways that you could work that out. Some of you would rather reinvent the wheel, which is great. I love it. Come back to me with your own acronym, like whatever awesome sauce, right? So, and uh, that's probably too many rhythms, but, <laughs> but we get to live our life in a new way because of what Jesus did for us so that we can learn how to share the good news of Jesus Christ with, with one another and with our whole community in word and deed and just normal, natural ways that bring smiles to people's faces, bring tears to people's eyes, bring hope, bring, start leading people towards faith in normal ways. God has given you that grace and that power. And I know everyone who has the love of God on their heart wants to share that love with others. And you have the power to do that. And we are here to help each other with that. This is almost everything we do as a church is centered around that. Like, let's learn to grow in the love of God. And let's learn how to share it with others in word and deed. We don't, every, everything around here that sounds like a program, it just simply comes back to that. Can we help? Can we love you? Can we, can we know God's love? Can we love one another? Can we learn how to love our community? And we gather around that every single week in different ways to keep knowing the love of God and sharing it with each other. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for your word. I pray that you would be at work in our hearts helping us to, to know your good news, to helping us feel the freedom and the grace and the excitement and the joy to be able to share that good news with others, Lord. I pray you take the pressure and guilt and shame off people's hearts around this topic, Lord. Help it to be just a breath of fresh air, to live their life in a new, loving way, the way God is leading them to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Can I ask you guys to stand and join us in a couple songs to end out here? You came.
criminals and every Pharisee. You came for hypocrites, even one like me. You carried sin and shame, the guilt of every man, the weight of all I've done, nailed into your hands. Oh, your love. Kill 
Independence Day. And you know that God has set you free now, right? And he didn't just set you free from your sins. He set you free to bless people. Ooh, strange. This little book is almost like a booklet, comic book. I picked it up. It happens to be the one that Will was talking about today. Surprise the World is the title. And uh, like I said, you can get the cliff notes online. Like Will has put them all out there in like about, what did he say, a few pages. Or you can read the book and you can read it in about an hour. Or if you're remedial like me, it took two hours, yes. <laughs> but at any rate, I want to I wanna encourage that. As he's talking, I was reminded of C.S. Lewis, who was saying, you know, I didn't have this great plan to write the Chronicles of Narnia. And because I would write the Chronicles of Narnia, people would get all these pictures of Jesus. He said, what happened, really, is I had this picture of my mind of a little fawn walking through the snow with an umbrella. And he said, I don't know why that just kept coming back to me over the years. And he said, so I started writing about it, and it never made sense until one day Aslan came bounding into the story, and all the pieces came together. And, you know, I think what he was saying is we can't always be very calculated about how we're going to bless, but have you, any of you been blessed by the Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> either by movie or reading? Of course we have, over and over again. We read it to our children. We go, uh-oh, that applies to me more than the kids. But it didn't happen because a person was so calculated. It happened because someone was listening as they wrote. And so that's the encouragement. This, this book is interesting because, yes, it talks at the end of each chapter about goals. But here's the deal. It's like falling off a log. Listen to who God's pointing you to and say, okay, I'm going to bless that person this week or I'm going to offer blessing. And that just means encouragement, as Will said. The word literally means to bless means to strengthen the arm of someone. Isn't that interesting? I'm I'm going to lift a little of the burden off of somebody. And if they happen to let me share about Jesus, I'm not going to worry because the Bible says don't worry about what you're going to say. Right? Just let God guide you. Anyway, I'm supposed to make announcements, not preach another sermon. (laughs) So uh, I have my little notes here. And basically, we're going to have some summer events coming up. The schedule is going to come out next week. These are family, fun, fellowship events. Angela, I think I have to quote you on that. Or was it the other way around? Food, fun. Oh, Angela always wants to put food first, as does Will. That's why we hired Will, Angela, is because we knew he had come in line with your philosophy. So at any rate, um, uh, we'll have more information next week, and that'll be online and everywhere else that we publish. And uh, I want to remind you about the connection cards. It's really neat to hear about how God has blessed you or used you to bless people. You can put a praise in on that connection card. It it actually is confidential, but it's neat, you know, for for Will to see that and see, you know, the fruit of his preaching and his seeking God. So you can do that. You can also put uh, prayer requests. And if you you like, you can even show up live online. 
Dan, how does that sound? Well, not very, not very alive. But anyway, we have a Zoom prayer meeting at 7 o'clock on Monday nights. The information to get on there is, is uh, on, on our website and on the live stream and all that. So you can sign up, and we pray at 7 o'clock um, just for an hour. Spend time uh, thinking about needs of the church. We also thank God for the good things he's doing. So we want you to be a part of that. Um, I guess it's good news, bad news. But we've had a, a couple friends go to be with the Lord this week. And uh, one of them is Nancy Arnold. And I, I guess it was a little over a week ago. Not, not all of you know her, but... She was a, a pre, preschool teacher and a single woman who was so faithful at coming here. And uh, she, for years and years and years, would, what's that? Thank you for reminding me of that, girl. It's my mother-in-law. She has to help me all the time. And I need a lot of help. But, yeah, Nancy would... We would say, you know, sometimes we would say, Nancy, you've been such a blessing for using your gifts to prepare communion. And she was always going like this, like batting flies. I don't want to be known. I just want to love God. So think of Nancy and her family this week. Um, Granddaughter and son lived with her. And also, uh, Robert Kerr's father passed away in the last week. So be praying for the family, uh, Robert and his wife, Summer. I'm going to pray in a minute. Um, if you want to make an offering gift to Grace and Glory, there's a box in the back, or you can do it online. But while it's fresh in our minds, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask that you would also open your heart to put into practice something that we just heard, not just from Will, but from God. Who's someone I can bless this week? Would you just open your heart? And, and uh, it might be good, if you're like me, to write it down because once I leave here and eat lunch and take a nap, I might not remember. So let me uh, lead us in prayer for a moment and then ask God to speak to you. Well, God, we just, first of all, we, we want to bow our knee to you, Lord. In a minute, we're going to be singing a song about this nation bowing its knee to God. And, Father, we want to be sincere in that, but it begins with me. Lord, I want to bow down before you as we've just sung about. And I want to hear your commission, your sentness of people who have been in my path that I might be able to bless. So each one of us now, Lord, uh, either today, right now, or tomorrow morning or through the week, give us a name or just put someone in our path and help us to remember to lift the burdens of their life, to encourage them and to bless. And Father, I want to pray for the congregation, for our friends, for Robert and Summer. Lord, as they are grieving and trying to help their children understand about the passing of their grandpa, their father. I pray you'd give Robert wisdom as he leads his family through this, Lord, and I pray that you'd bring people into his life that would be an encouragement and a blessing to him. 
Father, for the many, many people that have been blessed, many children that Nancy Arnold has blessed as a teacher, Lord, up into her 70s, Lord. Uh, we pray that they would rise up and honor her. And Lord, we thank you that Nancy is in glory with you. What a threshold. Lord, what a glory to be in your presence. So bless her and her family. And Lord, guide us now. And Father, as we sing this next song, help us to be praying, interceding for our nation. We pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to have you guys stand one last time as we sing through the song. And actually, Toby um, reminded me of the the song and um, actually looking at all of the verses. And it was so beautiful to me. And that little kid in me kind of rose up because I used I remember singing this in kindergarten and feeling so proud of my country, Tizafi. (laughs) We're going to sing it together. But I just want you to look at the words and let it touch you and say it as a prayer for our country. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, That, we, that all in this land would experience your true freedom, the freedom that we find in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.